Welcome to Chiclas Hablando de Drag. Just kidding, it's still chicks talking drag, but we are in Spain. Welcome to Madrid, where the music is loud. Oh, and the drinks are cheap. Beware of spoilers ahead. Hello guys, welcome back to Chicks Talking Drag. This is our second episode in one week. I know, Pride Month really comes with a lot of surprises. And don't you think that we forgot about All Stars? We know that there is All Stars. We just don't cover that. Please do never expect us to cover the American Drag Race because it ain't happening. Do not expect us to do Drag Race All Stars unless it's an international one. Then we might be able to talk about it. But you might be asking yourself, who the fuck are those two girls just talking to me <laughs> as if I should know who they are? And you're right. You don't know who we are unless you're a religious listener. And if you are, really thank you. But my name is Gabby. And as always, I'm hosting the show with Anna. Hey, so excited to see you all here. Thanks so much for tuning in. And, uh, and of course, we're here to talk about Drag Race España. And today is episode two after the Macarena elimination. And I think queens are all surprised because like we've mentioned in the last episode, Macarena is a drag legend in Spain. And in fact, Killer Queen explains that no one expected her to be the first eliminated. Inti confesses that she is extremely happy about the fact that she's left because that was competition done, gone. And Dovima cries because Macarena apparently was one of the people that supported her in her drug. And um, whilst uh, they're discussing, of course, the eliminated queen, they also discuss the winning queen. And in this case, uh, we know that Fugasi won the first episode, but all queens actually expected Carmen to win, which really shows that expectations are not always met. But Carmen says one thing that I think between Anna and I, we have been saying so many times it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you make people laugh it doesn't matter if you are able to sing it doesn't matter if you do fashion it doesn't matter if you're pretty when it comes to drag race you need to put in the work so we get on the next day in the workroom and what happens Anna we get to the mini challenge which is drag a word so basically the pit crew come in they're holding up jumbled letters and the queens have to decide what the letters stand for and as any mini challenge it's silly it's fun it's trivial it's nothing special you could say it's inane perhaps um but it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's kind of a light-hearted way to break up the competition and the queens are just having fun trying to guess what everything is you know like salsicha for example which is sausage in spanish and um the winner of this mini challenge is Poopy. And Poopy gets a huge advantage in the next challenge. So Supreme Deluxe comes into the workroom and announces what the challenge is. And the challenge is Divas, which is basically the queens having to reinterpret uh, Spanish music uh, and Spanish music culture scene and how they can become the biggest and best drag queen superstars in the country, basically. Now, as Poopy did win the mini challenge, she is the team captain, and Hugasio, as the winner of last week, 
is the other captain, Higashi is not too, you know, excited about this. Uh, I think because, you know, Higashi is a very uh, aesthetic, as artistic, conceptual type of performer and dance maybe isn't necessarily in uh, their arsenal, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see who's going to come out on top and Poopy gets to go first and in Poopy's team you've got Inti, Aranta, Dovima and Volcano. So because Volcano gets chosen last, she chooses to join Poopy's team. And but both of the teams kind of have a laugh as to the reason why they didn't pick Volcano was because she will be towering over them and overshadowing them. And that's because Volcano very much epitomizes the definition of um, Grand Canarian drag. And if you haven't seen it before, it's absolutely spectacular. Big, huge platforms, elaborate headpieces, and absolutely gorgeous makeup. And then in Hugasia's team, we have Carmen, Sagittaria, and Killer Queen. What do you think of this lineup, Gabby? What do you think of the two teams? Who, who could you see doing well? Who could you see struggling? What's your thoughts? From uh, this, my thoughts were actually that Poopy's team was going to do better than Hugasia's team. Not because Hugasia is not gr- the greatest dancer, is like a conceptual queen. and. Uh, we saw this happening even uh, with uh, Sasha Velour. We keep comparing them to Sasha Velour, but it's just like the easiest way to give some kind of reference to people that might not be familiar with them. And um, it was mainly because of the number of queens that were there. And I was just like, okay, generally, like the team with the m- most queens has also like better track record i don't know why i felt like in that way also like generally those i don't know it just feels right like for formation and stuff like that but then we get to the to the recording session and Grim deluxe is actually today's vocal coach and personally speaking i'm from what the recording session gave i didn't think um that any team was like the worst in absolute because at the end of the day in America we or in the UK we do see really bad performances during the recording section but then out of tune fixes everything but uh, I thought that Poopy's team was like the one that looked that was doing best which is something that of course I was saying uh, with the number of queens and just like the vibe in general and then still from the recording session, it felt like Ugasio Cruente was going to be the person that was going to struggle the most. And I feel like that is one of the things that actually happens to be right during the actual performance. But really, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have to agree with you, honestly speaking. Um Hagasio is, of course, not a typical traditional performer, which could either work in their favour or work against them. And we're going to see how that plays out later on. But I really thought that the delivery came across as quite monotonous. And Arantia was also on the struggle bus um, from Poopy's team and was shouting in her verse. But it kind of made me laugh as well, because I was like, this is so silly. But... We do get into Elimination Day and the Workday Talks. And unusually, 
there's not a lot to say here. We've actually got a lot more to say about Untucked and also the runway in this episode. But what I did want to say was the queens are getting a little catty. They want to know who's the weak link in each other's team. And in Hugasio's team, the team collectively agreed that Hugasio is the weak link. And then in Poopy's team, they say Devima is the weakest link. Just from rehearsal, and we all know that things can change in the actual performance. But personally speaking, I didn't see Devima struggling as much as they were saying. But there you go. And Poopy, I think, is kind of on a mission to detonate other queens because... He says he does not trust Killer Queen and thinks that the other group is portraying a false sense of security. What I have to say, though, and equally, the other group isn't confident about Poopy's group either, as they think that they are better than them. So all in all, both groups are attacking each other, thinking that they're better than the other. But honestly speaking, they're both under the spirit of delusion, I would say. Are they delusional, Gabby? Well, possibly. Well, I don't want to spoil it. So let's go on to the runway. <laughs> well, on the runway, Supreme Deluxe, of course, the hostess with the mostest, is sporting a glam rock look with this lilac jacket and like a black corset underneath it and latex purple tie-high boots. And I was like, yeah, I remember the 14-year-old me wanting to look like that just a tiny tiny bit especially during my emo period but that never really happened but you know on to the actual maxi challenge um we have the queens performing and uh, i think anna has uh, some ideas please take the lead on this one yeah sure so I really hate to say this because we really like to be positive and, you know, build up the queens and really celebrate their talent and appreciate everything that they bring to the stage. Unfortunately, I think because we've seen so many amazing girl band type challenges, this really did fall flat for me. I thought that both groups were lacking in energy and I, I really don't want to come across as harsh because I, you know, I really have a lot of love for these queens and they did amazingly in the last challenge. But I was disappointed in both groups' performances. Um, but, you know, there were some standouts that, you know, were better than other people in their teams. But, for example, Pegasio's group, there was a lack of cohesiveness in choreography. Uh, there was no cohesion in the outfits that were being used. And some people were also forgetting their words <laughs> and their lyrics. And that just doesn't come across well. It did remind me of the messiness of Drag Race Canada. But at least with Drag Race Canada, you, you had a good track. And there were some queens that were still like really standing out, even if a lot of them were, you know, forgetting the words, forgetting the choreography. And... It just seemed like it was very rushed. Uh, and there was no auto-tune that was being used here. And I, I was disappointed, particularly, you know, someone like Carmen, for example. I've seen her videos and she can perform. She's, she's a great performer. And there is no denying that she was magnetic and hypnotic in her performance as a dancer. But in regards to vocals, it just wasn't it for a lot of queens. And that's okay. Not all of us can sing. That's not a bad thing. But it's really about selling the performance. And 
I think they needed some water tune to, <laughs> to help them out. I do have to say though, from Poopy's group, Poopy really did bring the fun factor. So, you know, not everyone stood out in her group, not gonna lie. And there was similar issues in this group that you had in Higacio's group, but Poopy did bring the fun. Um, she made the judges laugh and she had the tightest bursts on the stage at that moment. So with the medal Donners, which was Higacio's team, their, their voices were not seamless. Like when they sang together, there was not any harmony. And unfortunately, it just sounded a little bit messy. However, I do applaud everyone for really giving it their all, especially someone like Higacio, where this is really not in their comfort zone. And, you know, they were trying their best. They didn't flake out on the moment. Everyone was trying to give their all. It just wasn't the challenge for me. And that's okay. They're going to come back bigger and better and stronger next week. But there were some queens that looked great. Like Carmen looked amazing. She always looks amazing. She looked like J-Lo and her makeup was beautiful. I did think the same, that, that Carmen Ferrara looked like J-Lo. She was living her best J-Lo fantasy, I'm telling you. But Literally. It, I'm just thinking out loud here. Is it possible that Drag Race Down Under has started a curse of the second episode? Is that even I don't know. But you know what? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Because like this season, like it just ain't it. And I was just very, very confused because like I'm sorry, but the choreography here was a mess. The only thing that I wanna point out, positive things, was Inti's verse which felt a lot like a bitch slap moment. Uh, when she spoke about big fat pussy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, bitch. And then uh, I felt like Drag Vulcano was a little bit struggling on our platforms. And uh, yeah, like it's n there's not much to add to what you said. So I guess it's time to go on to the runway. And uh, this Ooh. time, <laughs> this week, uh, the runway is a tribute to La Veneno. And you might ask, who the fuck is La Veneno? Well, let me tell you. La Veneno is uh, the first widely known transgender woman for Spain. So she's just iconic. And um, there's multiple things that you guys need to know about La Veneno. And I'm just going to put you on track. So uh, she passed in 2016. Uh, she has uh, a critically acclaimed TV shows based on her life. And guess who are the writer and directors for this TV show? Well, if you didn't guess it, your favorite judge couple uh, in the Drag Race franchise, Javier Ambrosi and Javier Calvo, are the director of La Veneno, which is uh, basically the biopic to La Veneno's story. La Veneno went to jail. La Veneno uh, had basically uh, been a sex worker for the most of her life. And uh, most importantly, the guest judge to this week is Pakalak Piranha, which used to be her flatmate and her best friend. So she is really the, the right person to judge this challenge. Don't you think, Anna? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I completely agree with everything that you've just said. 
I didn't know about La Veneno when um, I first watched the episode, but I went down a wormhole and I did a lot of research because I really wanted to see who they were paying tribute to, especially when uh, the queens came out on the runway in these fierce, like, sexy outfits. I was like, who is this goddess? And, you know, I, I saw them and she looked absolutely incredible. Like, when I read her story, I was just like, wow. She's been through so much. So what better way to pay tribute to trans culture than tribute to La Venino? Just so you know, you guys, in this episode, even though we're paying tribute to one person, it's not like a night of a thousand Madonnas. So get ready no. because the fashions are on point. And we cannot wait to tell you all about them. So... First of all, I just really want to um, applaud somebody on the runway who looked absolutely incredible. It was one of the most beautiful looks that I have ever seen in my life. Basically, Drag Balcano was wearing a tribute to Joselito Cristina Veneno with a coat emblazoned with spiders in a stunning steel shade that showcased her memories. So the memories were, the were embodied by the tarantulas and the carnations. And the beautiful headpiece was showing what it meant to be a trans icon in Spain. So photos of the late La Veneno is intricately woven in, in Drag Volcano's headpiece. And it's absolutely breathtaking. Like, I was absolutely gobsmacked when Drag Volcano came out onto the runway because she always looks amazing, but this was beautiful because... There was a story there. It wasn't just, you know, Grand Canarian uh, grandeur and sparkle and fabulosity, which is always great, of course. But there was a narrative there. And when, when she took her coat off, the reveal showed a very typical Canarian um, bodysuit underneath with towering platforms and fringed embellishments. So she still held true to who she was as a drag performer while paying tribute to La Veneno. And I thought that was really clever. Yeah, absolutely. Just another random fact. La venenum actually means the poison. So tarantulas make uh -huh. a lot of sense as being one of the main um, tribute symbols for la veneno, as well as snakes, as well as everything that has to do with poison. So, right. Well, now that I know that, that does make complete sense as to why the tarantulas were being used. 100%. I also have to give a shout out to Inti as well, who looked gorgeous on the runway. Um, I liked how they created a paradigm between being angelic and being kind of more, more lusty, more sexualized, but in a way that kind of reclaims like pussy power. Um, so <laughs> the way that Inti dressed is how uh, they thought that um, Christina would, would dress now. But... I do like it when um, queens take on a a character, but but create a story behind it. So it's not just a beautiful look. So it's it's not just surface level, right? It's not just oh, um, they look beautiful in that crocheted tights and bohemian fringing uh, look. But there's also something important behind it. I do also want to shout out to Sagittarius look as well. Because I thought that was a really great homage to Pussy Power. I really was not expecting 
her to have that reveal where where she's got a really tight tuck and a bejeweled puss with stars on her chest and i thought that was really breathtaking because she was the first one that came out on the runway when she yeah you know, revealed her outfit i was like wait who is this person that they're you know paying tribute to like wow this is amazing and you know when i i did research i saw that lavanim herself was very body positive and reveled in her sexuality and showed her body off so i think that's really good that sagittaria was able to create this aesthetic that was just incredible i do have to say one final shout out as well because there are other looks that I liked, but this look was something that was quite beautiful, especially when I heard the story behind it, which was Killer Queen's look. And she looked like a beautiful angel. She had the most wonderful iridescent wings. And she said that she wanted to represent La Veneno as an angel of the trans community. And it is apparently one of La Veneno's most iconic dresses. And she looks incredible. What I also noticed when I looked at the outfit was the fact that there was white, pink, and blue in the outfit, which represents the colors of the trans flag. So I thought, you know, this is not just an ordinary angel look, because we've seen that done a hundred times on the runway. But this is something that is actually integral to La Veneno's cultural identity, and I thought that was beautiful. Is there any standouts that you had, Gabby? Uh, I had only Carmen for all of me, and that is... Uh just about the interpretation that she had of uh, La Veneno because uh, of course everyone went for like more literal more literal outfit that La Veneno actually wore whereas uh, Carmen went for a concept that really struck a nerve with me like on the contrary we had a concept that uh, didn't strike a nerve with me was Ugasio's and I do enjoy Ugasio a lot but because like it didn't feel like the right tone I, I wouldn't call him one of my standouts this week but Carmen really did a concept and an interpretation of what La Veneno is and of course she put together multiple things like, such as body positivity which you mentioned is uh, an important factor for La Veneno as well as the fact that like you explained before, veneno means poison. So she decided to like to dress in cobra, one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. And uh, she like in her face, she looked exactly like the veneno. The hair she looked amazing, great. And uh, I feel like that to me was really a standout. And uh, that to mm. me is like giving 100% to the challenge. Of course, uh, like you said, Drag Volcano moment was great. And uh, there's nothing else I can add that you haven't said, but Carmen really did do that. Uh, sure. And funnily enough, Pakala Parana actually said that Inti and Carmen Farala reminded her the most of Christina. And in particular, she says with Carmen Farala that the structure of her face, the way she's done her makeup, looks exactly like her friend. And that really is a compliment. And Carmen must be so, so thrilled because I would be. I mean, that's iconic. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like she really is. And um, we start to receive some uh, decision from, uh, from the judges. And we know that Sagittaria, Dovima, Hugasio and Killer Queen are safe. We then get into attack 
and uh, we don't really like we do know that it feels like Poopy and Carmen are at the top because they get the best critiques and then we do have Inti, Arancia and uh, Vulcano having some of the worst critiques. Not all of them receive bad critiques per se and uh, to me honestly speaking I'm just gonna say it here Drag Vulcano shouldn't have been at the bottom. Maybe Ugasio, maybe Dovino. Um, yeah, but, to be honest, I yeah. To be but, honest, I, I did think that Ugasio struggled in this challenge and should have been in the bottom. And last week I remember I wasn't happy with the Drag Vulcano and I would have put it at the bottom, but this week she really didn't reserve it. And I'm very yeah. confused about the ju judge's decision this time around yeah. because uh, like it very feels like it's politics and that they didn't want to send uh, Inti and Lugasio home. I yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And sometimes you kind of have to separate the, the politics from what is happening in the competition. And they didn't do that. You can't put someone in the bottom just because they're wearing platforms and you don't like platforms. You knew that inviting this queen into the competition, that she very much epitomizes Grand Canarian drag. It's like, what else did you expect? Like, she didn't do badly in the challenge by any means. Not, you know, not in account of other people that struggled. And uh, during her confessional, Drag Vulcano did say that she can do uh, drag with high heels in the same way that she can do drag with platform. But the truth cannot be said of uh, the other queens, so the other way around. And uh, it's unfair that they're looking from versatility from her when they're not looking into having versatility from the other kids. But there is a really important um, discussion that we'd love to talk about. And soon after the queens are having this discussion about Hagasio and, and their outfit and their performance at the challenge, um, Inti breaks down and Dovim is like, are you okay? Like, what's, what's wrong, me and are you okay? What, why are you crying? And they are so overwhelmed, you know, with their feelings that they walk away and Arantia comes after her. And then Inti goes on to say that wearing this outfit as a trans person makes her feel body dysphoria. And this is such an important discussion. Inti does not feel comfortable in her body and, and finds it hard to accept her look. And constantly says over and over again that I have constant body dysphoria. When when Inti has calmed down a little bit and Arantia is consoling her, they come back into the group and they explain why they are feeling that dysphoria and it's because of her breasts. And essentially, I, I don't know if you guys know the difference between body dysmorphia and body dysphoria, but with body dysmorphia that's the way that you feel in the shape of your body so you don't see yourself in the way that other people see you so for example you might feel that you are heavier than you are or slimmer than you are or you know and obviously it is a big issue but with body dysphoria is the feeling of distress or discomfort because of the difference between a person's gender which is assigned at birth and their gender identity and honestly that's that's heartbreaking i i don't know from personal experience how that feels but i could see how it was affecting 
Inti, as a trans person, to be in this hyper-feminine outfit that didn't represent how they felt in their body. And they were, they were extremely upset about it. But the beautiful thing was that everybody in the workroom was so supportive. They weren't catty about it. They, they weren't trying to, you know, steal the thunder or steal the tension away. They were just telling them how amazing um, Inti is. And Dovima in particular really surprised me at how supportive and how warm and welcoming she was in comparison to how she was the week before. And she did say that she came in to hate all of them and look at her now. Well, she's a teddy bear. She, She said to Inti, your face and your presence is divine. And everybody told her that she was brave. And I was like, this is a really beautiful celebratory moment of overcoming this, this body dysphoria, you know, something that Inti has obviously dealt with with quite some time. And what really struck me as powerful um, was the way that Inti ended the conversation when they said in the confessionals that you don't need hormones to make you trans. And you don't need a piece of paper to say that you are trans. You don't need any of that. And Inti is right. You don't, you don't need an official document to say that you are trans. If you identify as trans, you are trans. The way that you feel in your body is personal to you, not to anybody else. No one else can define the way that you feel in your body. So we come back to this, uh, the main stage and uh, we get, uh, of course, like I mentioned before, Poopy and Carmen are at the top, but Carmen at the end is the one that takes the crown. And um, it's great because I did really enjoy Carmen and I did enjoy like her jail of fantasy and I did enjoy the, the look on the runway. So I really think it was well-deserved. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. Um, th- for me... Poopy and Carmen were the top, the top two queens. I know that I, I said that Carmen wasn't necessarily the best vocalist, um, but I don't think any of them were. But in regards to performance, which you always look for in a, in a drag concert anyway, Carmen really did sell it. So, you know, Carmen almost won last week, so I felt like they were like, yeah, we need to give her the win this week. And she could be one to watch this season, I think. I really think she is. But unfortunately, we also have to see the lip sync this week. And Arantxa yeah. and uh, Vulcano are pitted against each other. They are lip syncing to the song by La Veneno. Because differently from RuPaul or Drag Race Down Under, we are actually doing the song when the person is mentioned, not three weeks after, not like with Kylie Minogue and Nani Minogue. Like, oh, no. Funny that, that isn't it? <laughs> but they're lip syncing to the song by La Veneno, Veneno Patupiel, which means poison for your skin. And I'm like, living. Ooh. We got the translation expert in the house right now. Whenever it comes to Spanish, you call me. I got you. And if you want to take me to Barcelona or Madrid, I'll be your personal translator. Don't worry. Oh, just I loved Barcelona. Just it seems like just yesterday I went. <laughs> And instead, it's more than a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The performance, to me, like, it made sense that Arantxa won this performance because she gave it a role. But at the same time, I didn't think that Drag Vulcano did bad. So I was just... No. Honestly, I was just so mad that Drag Vulcano was put in that position because her 
feedback was like you just need to be more versatile but they didn't allow yeah. us to become versatile like what a fuck is that like generally when rupaul or other situation when they say we expect you to, to be more versatile as a feedback then they keep them for at least another episode see if they actually change and if they don't kick them out but in this case they were like you need to be more versatile bye and i'm like fuck you and we, we, all, we all know who should have been in the bottom instead but we've made our thoughts very clear on that yeah I just wanted to add, though, in regards to the lip sync, that I do think that they were pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that Aranta, like, absolutely stole the thunder from Drag Volcano because it's hard not to look at Drag Volcano when she's literally <laughs> eight feet tall, literally. And the fact that she could move like that with those giant platforms, like, that is obviously saying something. But Arantxa... I kind of knew that Arantxa was going to win because she was trying to put some sex appeal into it. And I was just like, okay, you know what? It was the right decision, but it wasn't the right decision for the bottom two. So next week, we have an overacting improv challenge. The queen seems to be put into pairs and uh, like they have improv scenes to uh, complete. We love an overacting challenge, especially if it's done well. We love an improv challenge, especially if it's done well. So I really can't wait to see. But if it's not done well. <laughs> well, if it doesn't go well, I swear to God, I'm going I'm to quit this podcast because like, we're, we're basically powering through Down Under. So. Which I feel bad saying because obviously the queens themselves are really talented, but the editing, the judging, the challenges. Eh. Eh. <laughs> you guys, thank you very much for listening to us. And uh, this has been Chick Stuck in Drag. You can use the hashtag Chick Stuck in Drag to get in touch with us. You can leave us a comment if you're listening to us on iTunes. You can follow us if you're on Spotify. And I guess that's everything. Toodles, everyone. Bye. So don't forget to watch <laughs> Drag Race España every Sunday on Wild Present and Atris Player Premium in Spain. <laughs>